Welcome to a special edition of the Computer Weekly Downtime Upload Podcast. I'm Cliff Saron and my special guest today is Gartner analyst Tiny Haynes, who has some interesting insights into how the energy crisis is impacting data centres. So to get things started, Tiny, can we recap on what's been happening with energy prices and the energy market? Well, well Cliff, yes. Uh, hello to you. Um, what we found, obviously, with the conditions happening in Ukraine and Russian um, gas pricing or Russian influence of gas pricing. Um, this has basically seen the wholesale energy price um, jump to enormous levels. Um, it, it's a very volatile market. Hmm. Um, but as a consequence, um, some organizations, if they are taking a pass through for their, um, their energy and that's when they're in collocation, then they're obviously seeing massive spikes, so doubling or tripling of, of the energy pricing. Yes. Um, with the cloud guys, they're not passing on any energy price increases. Um, how long that's sustainable with some of the cloud providers, we don't know. Mm. But that, that was actually going to be my, my, my first sort of question to you is, uh, uh, they, they, they haven't yet, uh, but you reckon there is going to be some kind of an impact going forward? Well, not necessarily. I think that the, the the viewpoint is that they're all very competitive and all very similar in pricing. And if they start to raise their prices, it shows what sort of margin there is for energy in their operation. And they don't like talking about it. So, um, so far, every time I ask them, um, the straightforward answer is no, we're not going to increase our prices. Um, remember that AWS carries a huge amount of margin, uh, and um, mm. this is really where Amazon.com's margin comes from. Microsoft is not as profitable, and Google is is not profitable at all. Yes. Um, so if Google decides that they will up pricing, I don't think the others will follow suit, although it depends on how long this goes on for. And, of course, a lot of this has been driven by the geopolitical unrest uh, which we have at the moment. Uh, I mean, I I have seen looking at their results that uh, there's certainly efforts to reduce operational costs and and some of the things that have been highlighted by the chief financial officers of these these organisations is how do they make their servers last longer? How do they make their servers more e- efficient? Uh, I mean, can you? Uh, comment on that a little bit do, do, do you know what's happening yeah and, are, and sorry and, and and tiny are there lessons that normal data center managers those who are not in the public cloud uh, or not running public cloud services themselves can can look at and learn from yeah well certainly um so um, they've extended the life of their servers by additional years. So traditionally, um, servers life would be about three years. Mm. They've now gone to four or five years. Yes. So you've got that uh, added bonus. Um, there's also, think about this, there's a sustainability um, mm. issue here as well. Uh, and to extend the life of hardware is one of the ways of reducing the scope-free emissions. Mm. Uh, so, so they've certainly been doing um, that. Um, 
their, their data centers are fairly autonomous and, and uh, well run. Um, that their server design, uh, I haven't um, seen any of the data centers, so I can't really say what they look like. But uh, from, from from my uh, information I've gathered, um, it, it, it's very open and it's uh, very efficient. Um, so so there there can be certain amounts of efficiencies they can get, um, gain with extending the life of the hardware, but much more than that, that they're not wasting electricity on anything else. They they have a very strong impetus to. Um, I mean, Microsoft says they want to be uh, carbon negative by 2030. Mm. Amazon want to be um, reduce the GS, uh, greenhouse gas emissions um, to become 100% efficient by 2030. Google is at the same. So. Um, this part of the uh, life cycle is, is also going to be uh, um, very much uh, um, valid uh, for sustainability as well. Yes. Uh, uh, I mean, do you think organisations will start writing more efficient code? And the only reason I ask this is that um, one of the, in the recent company results for Meta, their incoming CFO mentioned code efficiency as something that they want to get a grasp on and and try and write more efficient code, basically. Because obviously, if you're writing inefficient code, you're using up CPU cycles, uh, and that generates, uh, that requires more electricity and or, or and or more cooling, which requires more electricity, sorry. Well, yes, I think code efficiency is always going to be um, a, a, a driver. I mean, not just for um, energy efficiency, but also just for management. Um, but Let's not forget there's a huge amount of legacy out there. Mm. Um, and I still talk to organizations that are running uh, COBOL mainframes. Yes. Um, so the idea of trying to uh, um, do any sort of code updates there would, would be almost a horrific task. So yeah, never underestimate the, uh, the the sheer amount of legacy. The other issues that people are having is the cloud resources that, that are needed to go into public cloud, to, you know, the cloud architects, engineers mm. um, across the world, there is a huge um, resource scarcity, uh, which makes people who are cloud engineers be able to command very, very high salaries. Um, but there'll be some organizations that won't be able to move into public cloud in an efficient way because they don't have the, uh, um, the skills and don't have the budget to pay for them. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of effort. Uh, and I think, you know, the public cloud has been obviously around for many, many years and organisations are still struggling because of because it's difficult to move legacy code into the public cloud and gain efficiencies from that. You know, it's all very well lift and sh lifting it into the cloud if, you, if you're allowed to do that. You know, the regulators, regulations may not allow you to do that. But even if, even if you do, you're not getting, gaining, necessarily getting the best out of the, out of the public cloud. Oh, in fact, I'd say it, it will cost you more hmm. uh, if you do a lift and shift. Um, I have some customers who tell me it costs about eighty percent more, really? um, because the public cloud is is like a taxi. Hmm. You know, you rent it and you pay the bill and you you use it. But if you treat your pub your your, your taxi like a, a motor car and park it in your garage overnight with the meter still running, it's going to be more expensive. Hmm. It's having to adapt your processes and your software. To be able to switch off resources and don't utilize them, as well as um, um, taking reserved instances, that's when you start getting efficiencies. But if you are not doing that, then it's just going to be a lot more expensive. And so a lift and shift is is not the way I re anyone recommends.
Um, I mean, I noticed that um, on the Azure cloud, uh, Microsoft has said that it's uh, improved internal systems management, uh, <clears throat> which is part of this way of they're able to keep servers longer. Uh, can systems management tools be used to help admins uh, kind of make make their systems more efficient, make their servers more efficient, uh, consume less electricity and, and things like that? Yeah, I mean, if you think about before virtualization, the, the utilization of CPUs was, was down in the, in the sort of 20% range. Mm. With virtualization, you, you're getting up 60, 70% utilization. You still got some opportunity uh, for more utilization. So with proper system management tools, you're going to be able to get more efficiencies out of the uh, uh, of the operation. Um, so, yeah, that absolutely is, is ideal for that. Hmm. Um, and there was going back to legacy, and I'm, I'm not sure about sort of legacy mainframes, but you know, one, I guess one of the numbers that sometimes comes out is some of these, uh, like the Z series machines, are highly efficient bits of hardware. Uh, I mean, are we seeing the same kind of thing on x86 servers? Do we still call it x86? That's another, that that would be a debate in itself, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, uh, I, I'm not probably the best person to ask that question, but what I would say is that um, there's still a lot of room to go mm. in, in x86 efficiency. Um, and I think that the public cloud providers are getting the best efficiency out of their servers. Hence, you see these huge margins of, of AWS. Yes. Um, it, it's you know, for, for a, a normal organization, uh, the big challenge is going to be um, – you know, getting the right tools in place to be able to um, get that efficiency in the first place. Okay. Um, I mean, I've been speaking to some experts about this idea of uh, using non-X86 non hardware, such as ARM-based servers. Uh, I, I know this is not going to happen overnight, but are you seeing any indication that ARM is making its way into the data center? Well, there are ARM um, offerings from the cloud providers, mm. um, so they're starting moving there. Um, I'm not seeing massive amounts of ARM penetration against the AMDs and Intels this world, um, although um, you know it's only a matter of time, really. I mean, the only reason I bring up ARM is that the that particular architecture is is seen as a, a more efficient one, uh, more energy efficient. Yeah, but if you think about it, the business case to um, recode um, infrastructure um, to replace infrastructure hmm. uh, for energy efficiency versus just sweating the asset you've got at the moment, um, I think that the latter will probably always win out, uh, even if they are a bit more energy inefficient. Um, when it comes to time to replace, then, of course, arm them comes on the table as an option. Um, but at the moment, you know, I think most people with this recession talk um, are, are just saying, well, let's just, you know, sweat assets and batten down the hatches. Hmm. I mean, it's not like the fact that only um, Intel and AMD servers are in the data center, because we know that there are arrays of uh, NVIDIA GPUs and you know, GPUs are in the data center as resources, uh, not data, sorry, I'm talking about the cloud, the public cloud that one can use. Um, 
So, uh, I mean, I guess over time there would be uh, ARM-based resources in the cloud uh, as, you know, as and when people need it. But <laughs> I guess only time will tell us how the, how those things are priced and what 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 they can what the cloud providers will offer with with ARM based hardware that uh, makes it compelling over people you know buying the Intel instances or or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, I think people um, are, are buying what they're used to, um, mm. but the more they get used to um, a GPU environment or a ARM environment, the more that they can take the services. Yes, yeah. Um, what 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 would be your top tips for organisations? Um, well, let, let's say for for IT admins who really are, have been I've been asked by their head of finance. Look, you know we're going to have to do something with with IT uh, because they yeah they, we we know that the server room is uh, it consumes a, a lot of electricity. What what would be the the top things that you could advise uh, IT managers to do? Apart from switching off the lights. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> switching off the lights is always a, a start. Um, it, you need to look about getting more efficiency out of your operation. So um, reducing utilization of, of un, well, switching off unutilized uh, resources. Um, people have a mentality that if they get a business case approved for a server for a particular project and they will then hold on to that server, it doesn't really allow that those resources to be shared. So mm. um, try and see what you've got, how you can actually um, share those resources further across uh, uh, more parts of the organization rather than buying new in uh, infrastructure. Um, switch off servers when you don't need them. Uh, which is uh, easier said than done sometimes. Mm. Um, then there's this sort of the idea of, of extending life of hardware, um, not having to replace things automatically after three years unless there's actually re performance requirements which can't be met by existing infrastructure. Um, so those are sort of easy things, to uh, easy wins. Um, when you start thinking about um, efficiency of, of infrastructure, and so those sort of using those tools, um, then yeah, there's there's going to be a cost for uh, the systems management tools, um, but there might be a payback. And some of the vendors will obviously show you the, the return investment of these uh, tools as well. Mm. Um, and where possible, move some infrastructure to the public cloud yes. because you know they, they obviously don't have um, the same sort of problems with uh, energy that uh, we we have in our own data centres. The only other thing what I was saying is uh, for data centers to test their um, failover yes. for their um, servers, uh, for, for the UPS. Mm. Um, they all do the generator tests once or twice a week or, or, or a month, um, but actually do a black building test mm. on your data center. Um, you've probably never done it. And it's one thing that everyone panics about. But if we do have any blackouts, then that's going to be really important to make sure things can fail over. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, how long? I mean, I don't know much about the, the the generators apart from seeing them and knowing that you know they're, they're tested once a week or whatever. But how how long will a will a, um, a generator typically last? Uh, it depends on the fuel supply mm. uh, and then the the resupply contracts as well. So the process is the energy will fail the ups battery should be able to keep the thing running for about 30 minutes on full load yes which 
best practice. Jenny's take about a minute to, to spin up and become on online. Mm. Um, and then there's a fuel supply. The other problem is, is if you've got a huge fuel supply, make sure that you're protecting against the diesel bug, where I've seen huge amounts of volume of diesel, which had become denatured because of this diesel bug. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's uh, what's the, what's the fuel supply? If you've only got a few hours of fuel supply, well, that's how long your, your day is going to last. And if you have an extended blackout, you know, parachute thought we have anything longer than, than maybe a few minutes or maybe an hour, um, it's going to have significant impact. So, um, you know, make sure you have a decent fuel supply. Yeah, I mean, I've just been thinking about that, actually. Um, we're, you know, we're told that, I mean, as, as consumers, that, you know, it's a really bad thing to, to switch off your, th- your devices, your products, right? Just keep them always on because the worst thing that happens with a, an electrical device is when you switch it on and switch it off or switch it off and switch it on, sorry. Uh, P- I'm talking about PCs. Uh, yeah. And that is very much the case with servers. They server is there to serve 24 by 7. Uh, but I, I guess, is there a case where, you know, for certain organisations, not those that are global that are 24 by 7, but those that... Maybe uh, there's there's there are systems that only need to work during the office day that where you can say well actually we don't need to have this these systems on, and even if they're virtual machines they can be powered down to obviously free up more resources on 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 that machine. Yeah, um, so a couple of things here. So why the servers on at night time maybe doing backups? Um, if you've got a traditional tape-based backup, well, see if there's any way of doing disk-to-disk uh, backups on, on the SAM, uh, and that way you can power down the servers. Um, also think if you've got uh, dual power supply in the servers overnight, switch one off um, just to reduce the load, because uh, if it's not a critical server, it really shouldn't be treated in that same sort of way. Mm. Um uh, and so the, the backup routine, if you're b- blindly backing everything up, then, OK, what what's actually essential versus what is actually trivial? Um, have an understanding of what, what uh, you, you're doing. It's, it's really just efficient usage of resources more than anything else. Mm. OK, then. Well, Tiny, thank you ever so much for taking part in today's podcast. And thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>